Sometimes life is difficult and you just need a hand to lift you up. The Bible is full of those helping hands, but how do you access them? How do you apply them? Join our weekly conversation and think about the Bible like you never have before. Listen, watch, and interact with us at ChristianQuestions.com. You're listening to Christian Questions. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Honoré de Balzac once said, The heart of a mother is a deep abyss at the bottom of which you will always find forgiveness. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, we thank you for joining us today. Talk to us anytime with your feedback or questions at ChristianQuestions.com and all of our social media channels. Make sure to continue your Bible study after today's episode with our comprehensive CQ Rewind show notes, where we visually and contextually map out this episode's content, always available on our website and our Insider Weekly newsletter. Plus, Make sure to check out our YouTube channel for new videos every week featuring the CQ Kids series, our Moments That Matter series, CQ Bible 101, and much, much more at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, what is up? What's happening? What are we talking about today? Well, Rick, our question is, is motherhood still vital? And our theme text is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. So again, the question, is motherhood still vital? Look, there is probably no role that we as humans play that is more taken for granted than that of being a mom. From carrying the unborn to feeding and protecting the newborn to nurturing the toddler to teaching the child— She quietly continues. From understanding the adolescent to challenging the young adult to supporting the independent adult to caring for the grandchildren, a mom simply goes about the business of building and enhancing life. She rarely, if ever, gets time off, does not get paid, and often does not receive much in the way of gratitude. And yet she perseveres, driven by the deep and scarcely understood motivation of selfless, protective, and cultivating love. So folks, coming up in today's podcast, life is tough. And being a Christian who's raising children in this both parents working society is a primary example of that. How do we raise our kids, keep them involved with the world's experiences without letting them get sucked up in it all? Throughout today's podcast, we're going to feature a ton of advice from several real moms who are engaged in this monstrous task daily. What does the Bible offer us by way of mothering examples? Each segment, we will feature a mom from biblical times and her experiences. Most of the stories we'll address are probably not familiar to you, but the lessons will be amazingly relevant. Also, we're going to have some fun as we honor motherhood. Okay, Rick, it's time to stop, observe, and appreciate the love, power, and influence of moms. And so, Jonathan, rather than just having two guys talking about motherhood, we figured we'd better bring a female into the mix so we could get it right, or at least get it closer to right. So (laughs) (laughs) we brought Julie in to help us out. Julie, how are you? Hey, Rick and Jonathan. I'm doing great. Yeah. And Julie, who are you and what are you here for? 
Well, you know, I've been on the podcast a few times now, and you bring me in whenever you need a woman's perspective, it seems. Yes. <laughs> so I, I'm a CQ volunteer here and do a lot of different things on the website. Uh, you and I are doing some Facebook Live videos, answering some questions where the conversation continues after the podcast. Right. And our listeners can find that, like you mentioned, at christianquestions.com slash YouTube. But here, I don't have children of my own, but I feel like I'm uniquely qualified because I have a mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, terrific. and the older I get, the more I appreciate her and how hard it is to be a mom. So, Julie... You know, and, and that's an important statement, you know, not not only and look, you're not uniquely qualified. I got a mom, too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so but here's the thing. One of the things we're, we're speaking about moms all throughout this entire podcast. But this is not just a podcast for moms, is it? No, that's what we realized is it is a podcast for all of us because we all can be nurturers and we can all appreciate and help others along their pathway because it's a really difficult job. And one of the things that I learned through studying for this and interviewing different moms was we can mother the mothers. These mothers need help and they need us. So for those of us who aren't biological mothers, we can still mother others. Okay, and you know, for those of us who are men, we can still take the principles and apply them to encouraging that uh, the building up of others who have the responsibility. So, whoever you are, this is for you in terms of putting things together. We had a ton of material to draw from, and we're going to be using sort of as a a kind of a skeletal theme for our discussion today. Uh, something we got from. WhatChristiansWantToKnow.com, and it's the 12 qualities of a Christian mother. And uh, so we're going to go through these 12 qualities one at a time. We're going to put some scriptures to them, some examples to them, and also we've got some fun things planned in between. So let's get started right in with this. Jonathan, the 12 qualities of a Christian mother, what's quality number one? Well, quality one possesses a keen sense of discernment. So a true mother wants to be able to possess a keen sense of discernment. Well, first of all, sounds great, sounds very philosophical. What does discernment actually mean? Two definitions. The first, the ability to judge well. And secondly, in the Christian context, perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. Okay, so the ability to judge well, especially in the area of spiritual things. That's kind of what so we want to be focusing on with this first quality, possessing a keen sense of this ability to judge well. Uh, how do you get there? Let's, let's start with the scripture, Hebrews 5, verses 13 to 14. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Okay, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You have to be grown up to be able to discern. So that's one of the factors of motherhood. So we've got several motherhood examples. We're going to be focusing on one scriptural motherhood example each segment, and then Julie's going to walk us through several real-life mother examples as well to build on that. So Jonathan, let's you and I get started by putting this first motherhood example on the table. This is the wife of Manoah. Now, no, not Noah, but Manoah. 
and she is the mother of Samson. The account doesn't even tell us her name. It doesn't directly describe her character, but it does give us a powerful insight into her character. And Rick and Julie, the first thing we're going to see is she is trustworthy. Okay, so we're going to look at Judges chapter 13, and we're going to start with verses 1 through 5. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. There was a certain man whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold now, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So she gets this vision, and it's about having a child. She tells her husband, and he asks for the angel to reappear. It's like, I need more information. I need more information. So the angel does reappear and restates the prophecy. Well, next, and not only is she trustworthy, but she's observant, Rick. Okay, verses 12 and 13. Manoah said, Now, when your words come to pass, what shall be the boy's mode of life and his vocation? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Let the woman pay attention to all that I said. So it's almost like saying, because because the angel does reappear for the sake of her husband, and the angel says to him, because he's asking more questions, well, I need more information, he says, look, let the woman pay attention to all that I said. In other words, it's kind of like, look, she's got it covered, listen to her. That's right, trust her, you know, keep quiet, Manoah, <laughs> uh, stop already, she's got this. Right, right, trust the woman. And Julie, you got that big old smile on your face. You said it. Woman. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because in Scripture, you know, you don't you don't see a lot of that. But this is a very plain and, and straightforward example of that. And Rick, not only was she trustworthy and now observant, but also she is reasonable. Verses 22 through 24 of Judges 13. So Manoah said to his wife, we will surely die for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering or a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear things like this at this time. Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, and the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him. So you know, Manoah says, oh, no, we're going to die. We saw an angel. And she's like, calm down. Chill. <laughs> yeah, get a grip. <laughs> the angel wouldn't have showed us all these things. It was going to kill us. So let's just do what God said. It's a really wonderful example of this possessing a keen sense of discernment. So, so Julie, in a, in, in a practical sense, we've got a scriptural story sort of as a, as a foundation. Some of the mothers you interviewed and talked to give us a sense of discernment from one of these mothers and their story. Well, so just to back up for a second, I, I have several friends of mine who I think are doing amazing jobs at taking their role as a mom very seriously. And I asked them to share with us on this podcast what their secrets are. And the results that I got back were both practical and very candid. And one thing I realized that all of these moms had in common 
they all first acknowledged that God entrusted them with this important work. And they had to remind themselves of this daily and sometimes hourly, uh, not to get caught up in the hard parts. They are working for God. And this put that role in perspective. So when it came time to discernment, I spoke with my friend Estera and her son, Jonathan, who's an avid listener of this program, was diagnosed at an early age with something called sensory integration issues. And that's where the brain has trouble receiving and responding to information that comes in through your senses. And this can leave people oversensitive to things in their environment like sound or touch. And so the way she explained it to me, she said, raising a child with a diagnosed issue is a blessing in disguise. The biggest lesson I had learned from it is to rely on the Lord and not on my own strength and ability. And also it taught me to be slow in judging others and quick in showing understanding. So she needed to help Jonathan focus on how to make the right choices when he was confronted with different circumstances, because how he reacted wasn't always matched with how he was expected to act. And she said, I realized that if his heart was in the right place, if I planted it the right principles, then he would always focus on applying the principles that had been planted in it, no matter the circumstance. So not only was she discerning, because she's now able to be slow in judging others and quicker in showing understanding, but she was teaching her son discernment. And we make better decisions when our perceptions are clear and focused. And I'll tell you a little bit more about Jonathan as we go on, but good example of discernment. You know, and, and that is a really good example of of um, being in a position where you have something that's difficult, but you, you, you accept the difficulty, and then you capitalize on the difficulty. See, there's, it's one thing to accept it, but it's another thing to capitalize on it and to make it, she said, it's, it's a blessing. And again, that's spiritual discernment. That's hard to come by. That's not easy. And it takes a lot of humility to get to that particular place. So that is a really great example to, to get started with. So we, we're going to keep just moving through these. And folks, again, Seeker Rewind, um, is the, the show notes, is available. All of these examples will be there, and they really are important to just kind of learn how to put life in perspective. Our second quality from the 12 qualities of a Christian mother, Jonathan, what is the second one? Well, Rick, persists in prayer at all times. Okay, simple and straightforward. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. And prayer is not just being on your knees. It is having an attitude, a prayerful attitude each day. So, so Julie, again, back to Estera in, in, in terms of looking at prayer. Well, her practical advice to the mothers out there was this. Pray with your child. One of my best experiences, she said, in this regard is praying in the morning when I wake my son up. I start talking to him while he is still in bed waking up. When I see that he's awake, I give him a hug and I say out loud a quick prayer over him, asking God to help my child to be an example at school and to bless his day so he could bless others. And so, again, not only is she instant in prayer, as the Bible says to be, but she is instilling this automatically in her son that this is the way you start your day. You know, and how that, that is such a powerful thing, because it's one thing to pray about something and say, Lord, you know, help me cope. 
Help me deal with it. Help me accept it. But it's another thing to pray for your child through whatever trial or difficulty they may have to rise up and be able to embrace and accept it themselves so they can be the blessing. See, so it's a multi-level approach, and that's what motherhood does. It takes all of the difficulties of life and, and, and puts them in place in a, in a multi-level sort of way. It's really, really amazing experience to observe. Jonathan, and Rick, in our family, isn't that what we want our children to have that ability to communicate with God Almighty and, and talk and work things out so that they can just meditate throughout the day and not even know they're doing it because they're comfortable with it. Yeah, and then they become the blessing. So you teach them the foundation, and then the blessing comes because they've learned and stood upon that foundation. Jonathan, our vital parenting lesson, and it's not just mothering lesson. It's a vital parenting lesson because we all play a role, whether we're parents or not. What is it for this segment? Discernment makes a parent trustworthy and contributes to observance and reason. Prayer enhances all of these things. Okay, discernment is a key to true, strong parenting. Parenting is a tough job. Growing into a discerning way of being is just the tip of the iceberg. Discernment and prayer are vital, but they're only the beginning. What else do mothers bring us? We've been studying scripture and discussing how biblical history collides with world history in today's culture for 20 years on radio and in podcast channels. If you're curious about how the Bible or Christianity applies to what you have faced and are facing right now in your life, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Listen live or on your own time. Then reach out to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Let's take the next steps in our comprehensive conversation. Perhaps the most recognized thing people recite when talking about motherhood is unconditional love. This quality cannot be overstated. How many examples come to mind of mothers sacrificing their own time, preferences, and comfort so their children can be better off? Let's face it, love makes life better. And selfless love makes it best of all. And that's really one of the things you think about uh, when, when talking about and looking at the example of moms. So, Jonathan, I had mentioned we want to have some fun. We do indeed. Okay. So, at this point, what we're going to do is we're going to go to a, a, a little song done by a couple of moms at Gateway Community Church. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this is quite an exciting little song because it's about, it's about motherhood. It's about motherhood. And it gives you a quick look at one day of what a mother has to go through. Listen really carefully as they tell you their experience. Get him now, get him now, get up out of bed. Wash face, brush teeth, come your sleepy head. Here's your clothes, your shoes, hear the words I said. Get him now, get up and make your bed. Are you hot, are you cold, are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework? Yeah, grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Eat your breakfast, the experts tell us it's the most important meal of all. Take your vitamins so you can grow one day to be big and tall. Remember the orthodontist will be seeing you every day. Don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon, so you must play. Shovel, too slowly, but hurry. The bus is here. Be careful. Come back here. Did you wash behind your <laughs> ears? <laughs> behind your ears. So, you know, Jonathan, you know, you just get swept up into the quickness, the wittiness, the concern, the get it done 
attitude of mom. And it just they haven't even gone out to school yet. Yeah, I know. They haven't gotten out the door. I know. I'm already exhausted <laughs> <laughs> listening to that. But you know, it, it's part of just honoring what motherhood is, especially in, in the world in which we live. So, uh, quality number three. We've got the twelve qualities of a uh, Christian mother. Quality number three, Jonathan, is what demonstrates unconditional love. And that is such a vital part of mothering. But you know what? It's not the only part, as we will see this story continue to unfold. First John chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So, you know, it says there's no fear in love, and yet we often experience fear as we try to love. And that's one of the challenges of mothering, as we're going to see throughout our, our, our podcast today. The, the ability to try to deal with the fears and the insecurities of being a mother. So, Jonathan, before we get back to Julie, let's go do another motherhood example from Scripture. This one is Naomi, the mother-in-law. Who shared her face. So this is a story about a mother-in-law. Um, and we're, we're going to start, well, actually, let me ask you, where, where do we start? Well, Naomi was willing to adapt. And we see that in Ruth chapter 1. We're going to go through verses 1 through 18, but Jonathan, let's do verses 1 through 5 to begin with. There was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judea were went to sojourn in the land of Moab and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife Naomi and the names of the two sons were Malon and Chilon. Then Mamelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with two sons. They took themselves Moabite women as wives and the name of one was Orpha and the name of the other was Ruth and they lived there about 10 years. Then both Milan and Chilon also died, and the women were bereaved of her two children and her husband. So you've got this incredible sense of loss for Naomi. She moves because of a famine. She loses her husband. Then her two sons marry these women. Their two sons die, so she's lost her husband and two sons. She's got a complete sense of loss about her. But we're looking at her as a mother-in-law. She's got these two daughter and daughters-in-law left. So what's, what's the next thing that we begin to see about her? Well, Rick, not only can she adapt, but she puts others first. Okay, verses 6 through 9 of Ruth chapter 1. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt kindly with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. So Naomi's instincts were to go back to her original home to rekindle her life and allow her daughters-in-law to stay in the familiar land. It would have been easier for her to bring them with her. They were all that she had, but she said, no, no, stay. It's probably better for you to stay. I get it. So, you know, she does really, really put others first. 
What else? And Rick, our observant is she is gently firm for what she believes is good for others, even though it's at her own expense. So in the next few verses, you see this sense of clarity in I want to do what's best for you, not necessarily for me. And this is verses 10 uh, through 14. And they said to her, no, but we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she's being firm, she's being clear, but Orpah goes back, but Ruth, it says, stayed with her. So, oh, and Rick, I've got to give you the fun fact here. Okay. The name Orpah is actually Oprah Winfrey's real name. She was born as Orpah. That's what's allegedly on her birth certificate, but nobody could pronounce it. <laughs> so it's been mispronounced as Oprah all these years. Oh, there you go. So now you have it. Okay. <laughs> so Naomi, thank you, Julie. Naomi, um, you know, she she realizes that uh, that Ruth is really, really sincere. So what, what's and, and, and I love that, Rick, because she's willing to listen, even though she made a, a decision right. for her. And, and now she's further uh, uh, adapting to what kind of is going to work out for her. And, and okay, and let's read verses 15 through 17 on that. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And where and there, I will bury you. So you, you've got Ruth just saying to her, I am staying with you. And so there's this blessing for Naomi and her willingness to give up for others. And it really is a wonderful example how uh, Ruth just, just wanted to stay with her, and the two of them ended up being richly blessed later on in life. So that's our, our, our foundational story, if you will, for this segment, uh, a mother-in-law example of Naomi willing to share her faith, willing to let go but God gives her a greater blessing. So, Julie, let's get to a practical, everyday example of uh, a mothering example demonstrating unconditional love. So in talking with Estera, I was really glad that she provided some candid insights, and her advice was this. Accept the child you were given and not the child that your mind envisioned. Oh, That's really important. I'm yeah. going to read that one more time. Accept the child you were given and not the child that your mind envisioned. Otherwise, she said, you'll become discouraged and resent your child. Now, part of struggling with these sensory issues was the difficulty of her son fitting in with other kids. And as much as Estera tried to help him, he would cling to her and constantly interrupt her conversations and really required all of her attention. And so she continued and said, I struggled to accept a child that was having difficulty adjusting to everything around him, despite my best efforts to help him, a child that was making me look bad. Hmm. I felt I was perceived as a bad mother until one day I had a revelation. I was fighting against reality, against what God knew I could handle. I realized I was trying to raise the child I had not been given. 
Instead of focusing on the child I had been given, it wasn't about me. Raising my child was not a choice. It was a responsibility. She said God knew my situation and that I'd be strong enough to face it. And that thought gave her this incredible sense of peace and acceptance. And she realized she was relying on her own abilities or lack thereof, she felt, rather than on God's ability to help her. And she said, I started to love my child for who he was and not for who I wanted him to be. And then she said, blessings started to flow. And I can't thank the Lord enough for the way he led me through this experience every step of the way. You know, and let me tell you, Jonathan is one of those amazing kids you can meet. He just turned 13 and he is smart and he's clever and he helps others and he's very perceptive and kind. And in fact, my nickname for him is Flash because (laughs) he's like a little flashlight helping others to walk in the light when it's really dark out there. And I think this is one area of those who aren't mothers where we can help to mother these mothers. Moms are really sensitive to what others will think and does whatever's happening in their child or teenager or young adult's life make them look like a bad mother. And guilt can play a big part in how a mother feels, and and we we shouldn't be contributing to that. Uh, What do we call that? The hairy eyeball. We shouldn't be giving them the hairy eyeball. We should be giving them the helping hand. You know, and and that's such an important aspect of this thing, and and, and getting into a real-life mom-child situation that had challenges. And look, every mothering experience has challenges. This was of a specific challenge with a specific mom who came to a specific conclusion that God's will could bring her beyond where she had previously planned to go. And so by taking God's pathway, because the circumstances demanded a higher pathway, everybody ends up doing so much better. And you're right, Jonathan is an amazing, amazing young man. I love that young man. He has a great smile. He's engaged in anything that he does all the way. And I just love that about him. So what a great, great experience uh, of unconditional love and learning how to be humble enough to be vulnerable to potential judgments because you're doing exactly the right thing. What an awesome experience that mothering experience is. So we need to keep moving forward. But folks, again, putting a lot on the table for you in terms of learning about motherhood. And if you're a mom, God bless you for it. And if you're not a mom, God bless you for it. What can you do to help and mother those mothers? Quality number four, Jonathan, what is it? Cultivates a joyful environment. So a good Christian mother cultivates a joyful environment. Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Okay, so Julie, for this uh, this piece, we actually have a soundbite from a mom. Yes, I'm going to introduce you to my friend Chris. Chris is uh, also a CQ volunteer. She's right now working on developing our new app with us, our new CQ app that's going to be coming out hopefully in the next several months. And she's amazing. Uh, she has a eight-year-old son, Jack, and she offered up some practical advice for us. Okay. I am always appreciative to see my Christian role models exude the joy that working in the Lord brings them. I love to see cheerful service and a genuine love for God and His plan. I want to make sure my joy shows all the time to my son, especially when we make sacrifices, like giving up being on the baseball team because games are on Sunday mornings. 
I want to do things willingly and happily so that when something comes up that may entice him to act or spend his time not in a Christ-like manner, it won't be that big of a deal to make the better choice. So, Julie, you know, the, 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 the heading here, if you will, is cultivate a joyful environment. And what Chris did is bring in the idea that life isn't always the way a kid wants it to be. And you've got to adapt to that in a joyful way. And, and her, her point is to see a parent sacrificing things and be joyful about it, it's cheerful service. And I think, and in talking to uh, many moms and talking to moms within my own family, trying to keep Sundays sacred these days is very difficult yeah, because amen. practices and games and um, traveling softball and traveling hockey and music lessons, everything's on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And so there's really tough choices to make between having your child participate that could eventually lead to a college scholarship or be at a Bible study on Sundays or during the week. And so Chris's advice was get them used to from early on that this is what we do on Sundays. But there's a sacrifice to that. There is. And it's difficult. And look, everybody, you know, looks at that perhaps in, in slightly different ways, but it doesn't mean you don't. You don't really truly consider it as a mom and a family as what would God want us to do, you know, for the for the betterment of our child and also to be the best example to our child. So, Jonathan, as we wrap up this segment, what's our vital parenting lesson here? Parental love for others means putting their lives in front of your own. To do this while cultivating a joyful environment truly speaks louder than any words you can utter. Actions always speak louder than words, and creating a joyful environment gives children something really amazing to look forward to. While most parents seem to be wired to love in this way, it's still a really breathtaking example to see. While unconditional love may be the most noticed quality in moms, what foundation is it built upon? It's not Rick and Jonathan's style to talk about themselves, so I'm going to do it. Your Christian Questions random male voice guy. Let's play Did You Know? Both your hosts have full-time day jobs and put a ton of time into this podcast as volunteers. They're also both volunteer pastors in their church, and they're longtime husbands and dads. So safe to say they're pretty busy, but they love having weekly discussions with our listeners. So make sure to reach out to us at ChristianQuestions.com with your questions or suggested topics. Now, let's take our discussion to the next level. Everything of value has a strong foundation. For a Christian mother, that foundation is unmistakably founded in the scriptures. By knowing what the Bible is about and knowing how it directs us to live, a Christian mom can far more easily embrace the selfless sacrifices she is so often called upon to make. You know, it's one thing to talk about being a, being a selfless individual, but it's another thing to know why you're being that selfless individual. And that's part of the challenge of being a Christian mom. It's not just, okay, I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ, and I'm a mom at the same time, and I know I have to be selfless. Let me just hold my breath and go forward. It's knowing why and getting the scriptures into you so that they are part of how you do the job that you do, which is such an amazing thing. So, Jonathan, at this point, I don't know about you, but I think we ought to go back to the mom song. It's time to have fun. It's time to have fun. Now, folks, you got to listen carefully because it's fast. Uh, but again, these are two moms singing about what a typical day as a mom sounds like 
as they mother their children. You play outside, don't play rough. Would you just play fair? Be polite, make a friend. Don't forget to share. Work it out. Wait your turn. Never take a dare. Get along. Don't make me come down there. Clean your room, fold your clothes, put your stuff away. Make your bed, do it now. We don't have all day. Were you born in a barn? Would you like some cake? Could you even hear a word I say? And the rolling of the eyes, I'm telling you. <laughs> Your iPod's my iPod if you don't listen up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, well, you know what? It's funny because, just very quickly, I sent this to both of my daughters who are moms, um, you know, a few days before Mother's Day. And, and Amy, my younger daughter, who has the two children, one's 11 and one's three and a half, her response, her email response was, this period is period, my period, life period. <laughs> so it really is. It's just, it's just fun. And, you know, and you realize the incredible effort and that's, we, we, we can laugh and chuckle, but the effort behind watching out for your children is an amazing thing. What's quality number five, Jonathan? Motherhood exhibits steadfastness in the word of God. Christian motherhood, steadfastness in the word of God. Second Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Even though you're a mom doesn't mean that the scriptures are just going to pour themselves into you. You have to avail yourself to study, whether it be in a group Bible study and on, on your own as well, to, to absorb what scriptures teach us so that we can teach those who are dependent upon us. So our motherhood example for this steadfastness in the Word of God, this is a huge, this is a terrific example. We're going to be talking about Hannah, mother of Samuel, the mother who kept her promise. And let me just sum up the beginning of the story, Jonathan, but what's kind of the theme of the beginning of the story? Well, Rick and Julie, Hannah shows us her long-suffering Okay, so the, the story began, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 1, and we're going to be going through verses uh, 1 through 8, just summing up quickly. Uh, her husband had two wives, Hannah and Peniah, and Peniah had children, Hannah did not. Each year they'd both go to sacrifice, they'd all go to sacrifice as a family to Shiloh, and when they would sacrifice, her husband would give portions to Peniah uh, to, to, to sacrifice, but she'd give a double portion to Hannah. He would give a double portion to Hannah because he loved her so much. But the wife with the children would just bother her and bother her and insult her. And it was just because in a Jewish culture, having children was the greatest honor of all for, for a wife. And so... Um, so her husband doesn't get it. It's like, I love you, I love you, I love you. But to her, it's like, but I'm not able to have a child. So Hannah promises God that if she could have a son, she would dedicate that son to God's service. So the first point of Hannah's story is that she was long-suffering. Where does that bring us next? Well, she is so sincere to her promise, just just listen to what she does, Rick. And this is 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. It came about in due time after Hannah conceived 
that she gave birth to a son and named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Then the man Ilkanai went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him. Then he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. So she basically says, okay, it's time to go to, to Shiloh for the sacrifice, but I'm not going. I'm gonna, I've, I've got to take care of this infant. And once he is old enough to be weaned, then I will him, offer him to God as God's servant, because that's what I promised I would do. And she waited how many years for this child, and she's willing to turn it over. Because that's what she promised. And and that brings us to the third point. So the first, she was long-suffering. Second, she made a very sincere promise. What's the third point? Well, she's as good as her word, Rick. Absolutely. Verses 24 through 28 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up, And brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young, and brought the boy to Eli. She said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. So she says, God kept his word to me, God blessed me, and I will therefore keep my word to him. And there's not a crack in her voice, there's not a second thought in her heart, she knows what the right thing to do is. And And Rick, I love the attitude. Yeah. Hannah rejoiced in the privilege of her sacrifice. So there's these four things. She's long-suffering, she makes a sincere promise, she stays as good as her word, and now we go to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, we're going to see Hannah, like you said, rejoicing in the privilege of this incredible sacrifice. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted to the Lord, my mouth speaks boldly against mine enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. And First Samuel chapter 2 continues just like that. The important point to this story is this young boy is Samuel. Samuel, the great prophet that grows up, the one that, remember, anoints King Saul, casts King Saul out based on the, 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 the will of God, and then anoints King David. Samuel, the, the, the man of God that was the go-between between sinful Israel and God himself, that's the boy, who, what he grows up to be, because his mother was so steadfast in the word of God. So, Julie, we've got that example of steadfastness in the Word of God from Scripture. Where do we go from here? Well, you know, steadfastness to me doesn't only mean learning the Scriptures, but it's applying them as well. And uh, one way to apply them is in letting it transform your heart and your character and, and acting in the service of others. So the next mother I wanted to bring to you, her name is Cheryl. Cheryl has two adult children who are very dedicated to God and in serving others. And I wanted to know what Cheryl did when the kids were young to instill in them these qualities. 
Her daughter is Leah, and Leah's a CQ volunteer who's been a guest on this podcast before. She's a proofer, a proofreader for the CQ Rewind show notes we create for each episode. And she's also the one who creates the and emails the weekly Christian Questions newsletters. So our listeners can sign up at ChristianQuestions.com and see one of the things Leah does every week to serve others. But this is Cheryl's advice for mothers. I think one of the best ways to raise godly children is for parents to be involved in as many different spiritual activities as are reasonably possible, especially those activities that our children can be involved in. It's so important to set a priority on regularly attending church or going to youth camps, taking part in service opportunities, or maybe visiting the aging or sick in our congregation. You know, with some of these things, it's not just attending the events, but when possible, it's also being a part of their opportunities operation, planning, the working, the serving, it's being involved. We really need to show by example that these things are important to us as parents if we think they'll ever become important to our children. And we need to show our kids that we can have fun and enjoy doing these activities together. So that really is a great example of not only going to get the, the benefit of, a, of an activity, but getting involved in the building of the activity and teaching them the joy of that service. That's right. And, um, and th- that also ties back to creating a joyful environment, because, again, she said we need to show our kids that we can have fun and enjoy doing these activities together. And I think because the children learn what the parents' attitude is, they t- tend to take on that same attitude. Children learn what the parent's attitude is, not, not necessarily what the parent says, but the parent's attitude. And, you know, when you see a Christian mom working really hard, you see the attitude of that, that, that dedication and selflessness that does rub off on the children. Jonathan, let's go to the next point, the next quality of a good Christian mother. What is it? Forgives the offenses of others willingly. Okay, forgiveness always, is always, is always a part of the conversation. Matthew chapter 18, 21 and 22. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So forgiveness is a big thing. It's a, it's a powerful thing, and sometimes it's a difficult thing. Rick, I have a personal experience. Um, my mom lives with us, and uh, she just turned 90 on um, Mother's Day, actually. Wow. Uh, but uh, we were having a Bible study here in our home on forgiveness, and it was really amazing to hear her reaction after the Bible study. In fact, before the study was over, she raised her hand, and she wanted to tell everybody something. She goes, based on this study... I realize I need to forgive my mom. And when I see her in the kingdom, I am going to give her a big hug and say, Mom, I forgive you. Uh, her, her mother was an alcoholic, and my, my mom had a difficult uh, time being raised. And so she loved, just loved the study and realized she really needs to forgive and let go of the anger that had been with her so long. You know, and Jonathan, that's a touching story on a lot of levels, but especially when you think about she was 10 years old 80 years ago. And 80 years ago, there was not an understanding of those kinds of issues. And so she had to bear this this anger, and it's amazing. At 90 years old, she's still thinking it through 
And, and you know what? She's being very motherly to yes. her own mom by saying, I, I'm willing to forgive. What a powerful, powerful story. Thank you. Thank you for that. Julie, practical examples. Okay, so we're going to go back to Chris. Remember, Chris was the mom who um, is, is the mom to Jack, and she's got another piece of advice for us. Develop a level of respect between the parents before the child is even in the picture, meaning speak and act respectfully to one another. No name-calling, foul language, rudeness, etc. Speak kindly to each other and your children. Don't hold on to hurts or offenses. Try to stay calm and even-tempered. And, you know, moms put up with a lot and they get the short end of the stick as being the bad guy. And they need to have pretty thick skin in order to do what they have to do without feeling hurt or sorry for themselves. And here's another area where we can come in and mother those mothers. We can have relationships with them without adding drama or stress to their day. And again, children are watching, children are listening. And I loved her example of having this level of respect between the parents because knowing that that's the household that these children will be brought up in is very important. You know, and, and one of the other things that's really important is children get attitude. They get it. So if we as parents put on the front of being happy and talking respectfully to one another, but behind the scenes don't talk respectfully to each other, our kids figure that out. They know. They can see through things because they are so much a part of you. So this, this, this advice from Chris is really, really powerful in having that forgiving attitude towards your spouse. Things may not be perfect. Have the forgiving attitude because it rubs off on those little children. And those little children grow up to be adults. And what we don't want is to have these adults growing up with this incredible resentment because we couldn't manage ourselves. So it's an important thing. And, and all of this comes down to willingness to be vulnerable. That's what moms are. They are vulnerable when they are doing their work as a mother. They are humble when they are doing their work as a mother. And th that's dangerous territory because it's easy to judge from the outside in, but they do it anyway. Jonathan, what's our vital parenting lesson for this segment? Parental strength derived from a dedication to following God's word is a strength that not only shines outwardly, but produces blessings for many. Okay, parental strength that comes from following God shines. You don't have to say it, you are it. And that's a really powerful part of this whole thing. Parenting seems to be shaping up as an integrity-based, I will do what I said because of God's will. Sometimes the path to motherhood and the experiences of motherhood are tough. How does one cope? Join our conversation by messaging us through the Christian Questions app. Download it now in your app store. Just search Christian Questions, then give us your thoughts on this and future episodes. Now, let's take a CQ deep dive. The first thing to understand is that no one is perfect, and even though we may have faith, it's not always strong enough to guide us with authority. Sarah, Abraham's wife, did have such a faith, and it was tested beyond her physical limitations. The end result of that, though, was a blessing to all. And so this is an important place to start, that the idea, the thought that sometimes we have faith, but it may not be the, where, where we want it to be, and it may fall short. 
What does God do with that? That's really one of the things we want to focus on in this segment as we get uh, further into the motherhood story. But uh, Jonathan and Julie, what do you think? Shall we go back to the mom song again? Oh, yes. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> again, these are two moms singing about a day in the life of these moms. And again, a little bit hard to understand in, in places, but listen to the intensity and the one-liners galore as you hear how their concern for their children just flows out of them. Close your mouth when you chew would appreciate. Take a bite, maybe two of the stuff you hate. Use your fork, do not burp, or I'll set you straight to eat the food. I put up on your plate, get an egg at the door, don't be smart with me. Get a grip, get in here, or I'll count to three. Get a job, get a life, get a PhD, get a dose of I don't care who started it, you're grounded until you're 36. Get your story straight and tell the truth for once for heaven's sake. Before your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? If I said it once, I said it at least a thousand times before that. You're all to act this way. It must be your father's DNA. Look at me when I am talking. Stand up straight or when you walk face for everything and everything must be a play. Stop crying or I'll give you something real to cry <laughs> it must be your father's DNA. Wait a minute, what? I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump too? Yeah. How many times did I hear that yeah. sentence? Yeah. Well, we 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 formatted that sentence in our household a thousand different ways, and uh, you know what? Parenting is very similar in all of the areas that that we all have to deal with. But uh, the the idea is, as we respect and honor moms, we hear the intensity of what they're doing through that song. It's just a, it's just a, a, a thrill thing. And these are two moms singing from Gateway Community Church. Um, and it's called Mom Song. So if you put that into YouTube, you can find it. It really is amusing. You, it's, it's just such a wonderful thing. Jonathan, let's get on with quality number seven uh, for a good Christian mom. A Christian mom embraces a spirit of contentment. Embraces a spirit of contentment. Doesn't just have the spirit embraces a spirit of contentment. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Make sure your character is essentially content. We have God. What else do we need, really? You know, now, look, that's easier said than done. I get it. But that's the way we need to look at this. So, Julie, let's get to the practicality of contentment from a real live mom today. Well, you know, we talked about Estera demonstrating that unconditional love, but I think it also fits really well under this embraces a spirit of contentment when she said, and I'll repeat one last time, I realized I'd been relying on my abilities or lack thereof rather than on God's ability to help me. I was starting to love my child for whom he was, not for whom I wanted him to be. And with this realization, blessings started to flow in my life. So I thought that, again, was a really good example of once she became content, she could be a better mother. Now, going back to Cheryl, who has our adult children, she said this, how to live a consecrated life when the kids were infants then toddlers was challenging and sometimes discouraging. 
I soon realized being a mom would tax every fiber of my being if I was to accomplish the tasks of each day in a godly way. That being said, teaching by example in patience, unconditional love, the sacrifice of me time, and doing the monotonous daily jobs in a cheerful way was my goal, in which I often failed, knowing full well that little eyes and ears see and hear everything. And looking back now, those years went by so quickly. So remember, to the mothers out there, this too shall pass. But I think here she exhibits contentment, no matter how crazy everything was getting. Again, because she and these other mothers were putting the proper hierarchy, this was the job description that God gave her. This is she was doing to God. So by doing that, all these little mundane tasks become godly. And and with that is how I think you get this spirit of uh, contentment. You know, and, and let's remember, for those of us who are not moms, this is a hard thing when you'd like to be able to do and express yourself in other ways. So for those of us who are not moms, to, mo- to mother the moms, if you will, help them to appreciate, appreciate them, help, helps them to be content. When you appreciate their example, maybe they can't be doing the things that they would otherwise be doing. If you appreciate them and their effort and you let them know it, it can help them to be able to accept a lesser role in other things now in this stage of their lives. So again, mothering is hard. We, as those around the mothers, can mother the mothers and father the mothers, if you will, by giving them the encouragement along these lines. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's help others have it in their in their struggles. Jonathan, we got to keep moving forward here. Quality number eight of a good Christian mom is what? She trusts in God. Simple, straightforward. Proverbs three, five, and six. And this is your favorite verse. I know this. It is trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Okay, put God first. Trust in God. You know, it's no accident that the spirit of contentment and trusting in God are two qualities that are right next to each other. So our mothering example here is that of Sarah. And this is the mother of Isaac. This is the mother who waited and waited and waited. Although she didn't wait perfectly, she waited. And here's the thing. In this, in this quality of trusting in God, Sarah had a doubt here or there, and we're going to go over that. But imperfection of the human frame uh, and seeing what God sees, that's what we want to look at here. We want to notice the imperfection and still the ability to see what God sees, even though we may not be able to get it entirely. We stumble, and God blesses us anyway. And this is good for mothers because God can bless them anyway, even when we don't see the whole picture. And even when we may have doubts, God's blessing can certainly come. But Rick and Julie, Sarah lived faithfully with her husband and quietly absorbed the sadness of being childless. And let's get it straight. She lived a long time without having a child. She was 90 years old when when Isaac was to come around. And we find that out in Genesis chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? 
since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. So Abram needed to be told specifically, No, you're going to have a child. Now Abram is old, and he hears it from God, and God shows him the stars of the heavens, and and, and it says that Abram believed it. He absorbed it and said, okay, this is God's will for us. And so he's moving forward with this as a really old man. But Rick, Sarah, when confronted with this impossible uh, thought, could not immediately see beyond it. Because face it, she was physically beyond childbearing years. Genesis- she was 90 and he was 100. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jonathan, this is like your mom, like you getting a baby brother. <laughs> your mom who's 90 announcing to you that she's having a baby. Oh, You'd see my. you laugh just like Sarah does. Exactly. <laughs> so so it, it does. It seems it's it's beyond the ability to comprehend with an earthly mind. And Sarah has that very challenge. Challenge Genesis 18, verses 9 through 14. And this is, this they, is I'm sorry, oh, Jonathan, this is when the angel is visiting with, with Abram again and, and giving a sense of what's going to happen. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, There in the tent. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the door of the the tent of the door, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. At this time next year, Sarah will have a son. So the angel of God basically says, it's not too hard for God. If God proclaimed it, God will make it happen. And Sarah doubted. And God saw that. And it was okay because he understood. She was looking at herself physically saying, this can't happen. What's what's the end of the story, Jonathan? Well, well, Rick, Sarah was blessed. Through her doubt, as that which was impossible actually happened. It actually did happen. So God blessed her even though she doubted. What a major lesson for motherhood today. Because motherhood is a tough thing, and we can doubt. And, and you can say, I wonder if, I wonder if God can bless you in spite of those doubts because you're trying to do things his way. Let's finish that story, and then we'll go to Julie. Uh, Genesis 21, 1-3. Then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And of course, he is the promised seed. We know what happens from there. So again, you have trusting in God, even in a wavering sense, God can bless us anyway. 
Julie, what do you have in terms of a modern-day mom with the idea of trusting in God? Well, you know, motherhood is full of doubts, but yeah. motherhood's also in making the impossible happen as well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, another friend of ours is Julia. Julia and John have three young children. Now we're going from the adults back to the very young. They're three, seven, and nine. And here's a mother who has it all together. Uh, Julia is a great role model. She never seems to get flustered. Her children are very well behaved, and they're great little students of the Bible. And I asked her, how does she do it. <laughs> and so she told me, she said, we want our children to love God, to know that they were created in his image and to have high moral standards that come from God's word for that. And here's a really good tip. She said, we've purchased numerous Bibles, some with more pictures, some in comic book style, in different reading levels, and even in different languages. That way they never get tired or bored reading a Bible. We also play Christian songs in the car and watch Bible-based movies. We encourage them to make good choices in what they check out from the library or buy at the book fair at school. We screen what our children watch and read. I regularly take them to the library and let them choose what they like, but if it's something inappropriate, I explain why. So I thought that was a very great idea is Bibles. That's what they're reading. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, the idea of, of the comic book thing and all of that, it just makes it more creative and more interesting. And so the idea is to give them the highest level of what you can give them in the best way possible, especially when you're wor working with those young minds. And again, this is motherhood working hard in those formative years. And you have to give honor and respect to every mom who does whatever she can. You know, every mom is not as talented as every other mom. And But, you know, what you do is you look at the effort and you look at the sincerity and you look at the heart and you look at the humility and we say, you know, let's mother the moms. Let's help them as they seek to make their child's lives valuable in the sight of God. Great, great example of Julia. Thank you, Julia. And you know what? Let me just ask you. Let me just, sorry, add one more thing about Julia. What they did, her and her husband, is they adopted some grandparents, uh, there is uh, uh, Joe and Kathy who are their adopted grandparents and they live nearby and one wanted grandchildren and they needed grandparents. And so they kind of worked it out so that if they need babysitters, they go to uh, these very, a very Christian family and they know that they're going to have the similar ideals as them. And they're going to go ahead and, and raise them the way they would raise them if there's an issue that comes up. So I think, Seeking out others to pair up with is very helpful. And again, that's part of parenting the parents, uh, part of being able to contribute to their uh, efforts to help those children to be raised up, to be honoring to God. What a great, great examples. Jonathan, we got to keep moving forward. Quality number nine, what is it? Christian motherhood keeps the faith. Okay, pretty straightforward. It keeps the faith. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's about faith. It really is about faith. We have to, to be focused on the idea that faith is such, a, such an integral part of our lives. And let's face it also, though, let's not, not forget, having kids is fun. Children are fun. You can have fun and you can laugh with them. And, you know, the, the, the whole idea of, of being childlike when you're with a child 
can just bring out a different aspect in all of the seriousness that we're talking about of keeping faith and all of those things straight. Uh, Julie, back to another parenting example. Okay, so under keeps the faith, that's our quality we're talking about, Estera said, make faith part of your daily life. Talk about faith as a family. Here's a really great idea. She said, analyze options you are facing, always striving to do God's will, and share with your child your intentions and your reasoning. So when they're making family decisions, they are allowing their son to listen to how that thought process goes. And she said, what matters more than talking to your child is the way you live your faith through little things and through your actions. And your child observes more than you realize. I think this is really good advice so kids can see in a practical way how parents are trying to make strong decisions in line with God's will. That goes back to teaching discernment, the ability to judge well and the perception to view spiritual guidance and understanding. And they're instilling that in their son. And so it's really important to to use the experiences of life as a, as as a as a fertile teaching ground to plant all kinds of seeds. But again, when you plant the seeds with fun and excitement and with joy and with the the thrill and the idea that you know you can make them laugh. I mean, you know, one of the things that that we used to really love was when when, when we could get the kids laughing so hard they'd almost start to cry. Because that's part of bonding. And they know that as Christian parents, you're willing and able to do that and be a part of it. But, you know, what Estera says is talking about, but when you have trials and difficulties, walk them through the reasoning. Let them know how an adult thinks. Because if you don't tell a child, they're never going to be able to figure it out. There's going to be too many parts missing. So have fun with it. But also build this powerful togetherness and bond through the trials as a family. Really great lessons. Jonathan, our vital parenting lesson for this segment. A parent's faith can falter, but that does not mean they themselves have faltered. God's blessing can and does come through imperfect thoughts and effort. God's blessing can and does come through imperfect thoughts and effort. Take that phrase and keep it with you. We're not perfect. Mothering is an awesome experience. Sometimes we don't make the best decision. Uh, Sometimes we look back and say, boy, I should have done it differently. But it doesn't mean God's not blessing you. Take the awesomeness of the experience and put it in line with your faith, knowing that you're doing everything to try to please and honor God. And when we fall down, he just allows us to get up and put a smile on our face. It's a really amazing thing. It's a real relief to see blessing come from less than perfect parenting. Makes you want to carry on. Mothering is especially challenging in our unstable world. How do moms cope with such a mess? Have you seen our CQ Kids videos? They're short, animated, and fun stories that use the Bible to answer actual kid questions. Subjects range from Jesus to prayer and thankfulness to the hard stuff like Satan and dying. They're perfect for starting a Bible discussion at home or a short story before bedtime. They're also an entertaining way to begin a Sunday school lesson. Watch all the inspirational CQ Kids videos. Go to ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, what's next, Rick? Moms are generally experts when it comes to cleaning up messes, but the magnitude of our present social and moral laxity create a special level of challenge. 
the circumstances of life outside of the home provide constant tests of will and principle. Godliness needs a plan of attack. It really does. Godliness needs to have a sense of here's how we're going to get there. That's why we're going through these 12 things. And again, it's not, you know, we're talking about, Julie and Jonathan, we're talking about the, 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 the challenge of mothering. But let's not forget the awesomeness of mothering. Let's not forget the fun, the, 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 the fulfillment, the joy of mothering. It's so, so important to keep that in the front of our minds. But let's go, let's go back to, um, uh, for the last time, the mom song. One last time, let's hear what they have to say in terms of putting mothering one day's worth in order. Love it. I got this note. My wife put this note in front of me, written, written in these big monstrous letters. Okay, she's like, she's shaking it in front of me. I, okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. So I have to read it word for word. She says, yes, it's challenging. Yes, it's difficult. But the joy of children outweighs it all. And you heard that directly from my wife. And you know, you know, Beautiful. And, that, and, and you know, that brings you to the sense of grandmothering, which we, which she is really, truly enjoying. Our daughter, Emily. Uh, had a baby, her first child, about three months ago. And, you know, this little, little, tiny baby who's now learning to smile. And, you know, you see that, that, and it's, you know, when, when little babies smile, it's a whole body experience. They wear their emotions right on their face, and there's such a tenderness to that. And, you know, you hold on to that as you watch that child grow up and become older and more mature and eventually an adult. So, Jonathan, quality number 10. Christian motherhood brings order to chaos. Okay. Julie, yeah, you were dying to say something at this point. Oh, well, you know what? I <laughs> wanted to tell our listeners a little bit about Rick's mom. And, you know, Rick has talked for years on this program about his family's famous Sunday dinners where four generations gather around to eat together literally every single Sunday for how long? How, when did this first start? It's Rick? been going on since I was a little kid, and I'm uh, years old. <laughs> <laughs> so a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's Rick's siblings, their children, and then their children's children. And Anna Mae, his mom, sweet Anna Mae, opens up her home literally every week to 18, 20 plus people. And Jonathan, me, and some of the other CQ volunteers had the absolute blessing to be invited to this event a few weeks ago. It is ordered chaos. <laughs> Everyone has their own job to do. So one person stirs, one person plates, one person sets the table, another person pours. I'm telling you, it was like watching a cartoon of Santa's workshop the day before Christmas, <laughs> or maybe a hive of 
bees, a giant beehive. And at the appointed time, everybody sits down at this custom-made table. I think we had 20 people that day. And Anna Mae, Rick's mom, beams from ear to ear, listening to the stories of the week. And this family tells stories of their past, their present, their dreams for the future. And these young kids and these teenagers are able to have this safe place to land from wherever their week brought them. And, you know, as I was walking in the door, I could imagine seeing like piles and piles of luggage outside the door (laughs) because all the baggage and all the drama is left outside. And this beautiful, strong family comes together on the inside. And this is all because of that generosity and the love of Rick's mom. And she is amazing. You know, and she got that from her mom and her mom's mom. You know, and that that brings us back to the theme text. You know, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure it is in you as well. He's talking about generational faith and example, and that's what I have been blessed and privileged with, generational faith and example. And you're right, my mom beams. It is the thrill of her week to get dinner for 18 people. It is the thrill of her week. Jonathan, Proverbs 31, 27 to 28. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up, and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth, praiseth her. Okay, so we're talking about bringing order to chaos. Julie, where are we going from here with our mothers of today? All right, so Julia, you remember she's the one with the mothers of three children, And here's her advice on how to keep the chaos at bay. We try to spend as much time with our children as possible, so that way they can learn from us rather than others. And even if they're watching TV or our little one really likes YouTube videos, we either watch with them or we keep an eye on them and check on them frequently to make sure that what they're watching is appropriate. My husband and I work opposite shifts, so that way one of us is always with them. And when our shifts do overlap a couple hours, we have either really close friends or family members watch our children. During the day when our children are at school, I volunteer at their schools when I'm able so I can see them and also really get to see who they spend time with on a daily basis when they're away from home. So what they're doing is she's a nurse, by the way. And so she, they, her and her husband work these opposite shifts and they are making sure again, that the kids are where they're supposed to be and that they are trying to do the parenting as much as they can. But you know, when they have to have other people, they have very specific, like these adopted grandparents they made who will watch them. But Keep, keep, see if you don't see if you don't spot a little anime in the making coming up. Yeah, 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 really. Now, now, look, folks, everybody can't do that. Everybody can't work different shifts, and everybody can't have the flexibility. But what we can do is the best that we can in whatever our circumstances allow us. And so what we do is we take the principles of a, of a Julia here, and we put them in play and try to do the best that we can in our circumstance. And believe me, God will bless us as we try to bless him by glorifying him in the raising of our children. So let's continue Julia's thought here. As a family, we try to eat as many meals together as possible. 
But since I work in the evenings, I can't, we can't always eat dinner together, of course. So we've decided to do breakfast every morning, which means that I get up early every morning, even if I come home at 2 a.m. the night before, and we eat breakfast together. We start out our day, we pray together, eat together, and just spend some time together. That way, we have that time before each one of us goes our separate ways, and I feel like that really sets us all up for a great day. So that's how she keeps the chaos at bay. Like I said, she's a little anime. You know, she's starting this little thing where we're going to eat this breakfast together. And this time is going to be sacred and it's going to be special. And it's going to be something that you feel safe and you feel loved and it's consistency. And it doesn't matter if she got home at 2 a.m. She will wake up at 6 and make breakfast for her family so that they can go off in love. And I think that's just a beautiful way to give the children peace and let them be little blessings on their way out. So we we fill them with the best of the goodness that we can muster. And folks, look, again, mothers need help. There's so much to do. Let's not forget that those of us who are not mothers can contribute to their mothering and encourage them and help them along and be that person that watches the kids or or be that other person who encourages and and lifts them up and notices the effort goes a long way to notice the effort helps to bring order out of chaos jonathan let's move to quality number 11 christian motherhood holds to what is right hebrews chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Excuse me. Hold fast the confidence. Hold fast to the faith. Hold fast to what is right. Again, That's what makes a Christian mother so successful in her mothering is holding fast to those principles and applying them to their children. So, Julie, what's our next motherhood example? Yeah, and it's hold fast to what is right, no matter what is about to bombard their children, because there is a lot out there. And so this is Chris's. Remember, she has the um, young boy, Jack, and this is her last piece of advice for us. Have an open, honest, frank relationship with them. Be able to talk about anything. Talk about death, talk about peer pressure, anything that might be uncomfortable, or what some kids might want them to do and what could be their response. They are subliminally bombarded much earlier than you may like to think with things that are not appropriate for kids. Language and sexual content everywhere. If he is going to hear about it anyway, I'd rather plant the seed of the Christian viewpoint on all of these things rather than let those other seeds take root and little by little, that seems to be normal. Children notice much more than most adults do. So I think that's how that's how Chris is trying to hold to that which is right and becoming a gatekeeper, but but one that's not making her son upset about it or sneak about it. You sneakily, you know, she's she's keeping everything out in the open so that he knows that there's a safe place to come. And and that's such an important thing. Again, hold to what is right 
and teach what is right. And for those of us who are not parents, we can help the parents teach what is right by encouraging them along the way. It is, this is one of the hardest things in the world in which we live because it is so hard to find the right way anywhere outside of our own home and perhaps the, 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 the fellowship of those who have the same faith as we do. Very challenging. Very rewarding, I might might add, but very challenging. Jonathan, let's keep moving forward. Quality number 12. She's willing to release her children to God. Okay, this is another big one, and I think it's no accident that's the last one from this particular list. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a wonderful principle, and I can, I can attest from the raising of our own children that sometimes in the middle, it says when he's old, he won't depart from it. Sometimes in the middle, they kind of try to find their own way, and they go down, and sometimes they go off a cliff or two. You know, we've had that experience, and in all cases, we, by God's grace, have seen them come back and hold fast to that which is good, that which is righteous. And that's, you know, what, what more can you ask for as a, chi- as, a, as, a, as a parent? So our final motherhood example is Jochebed, the mother with a plan. Jochebed was the mother of Moses. And, of course, we know that she was faced with a dramatic challenge. Exodus chapter 1, Jonathan, verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter are you to keep alive. So, you know, here you have this edict that if you have a son, he's going to die. That's the edict from the king. She was protect- courageous in her protection of the life of her son. Uh, and we know that from Exodus chapter 2, uh, verses, we're going to go 1 through 10, but we're going to do verses 1 to 3 to begin. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. You know, it's interesting. You know, the, the, the king's edict was, every son is born, you shall cast into the Nile. Well, she didn't cast Moses into the Nile. She floated him on the Nile. And, you know, it was an act of great faith. And literally, I can imagine when she pushed that little, little tiny ark away, she was literally pushing her son into the hands of God. She was wise in the execution of her very daring plan. So what happens? Verses 4 through 6 of Exodus 2. His sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, This one is one of the Hebrews' children. So she, we all know the story of Moses in the bulrushes and, and how he is found by the, uh, the daughter of Pharaoh. So when you look at Jochebed, her courage, wisdom, and faith would bring deliverance to a nation because that little boy in that little little tiny uh, ark, if you will, happened to be Moses, as we will see in verses 7 through 10 of Exodus chapter 2. 
Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. So the idea is her faith, her turning that child over to God, in turn delivered a nation. And Moses became the deliverer, one of the great, great examples of faith in all of Scripture. Uh, Julie, what's next? So like Jochebed, eventually you've got to set your children out into that water and trust that they'll be okay. And so let's go back to Cheryl with the uh, two adult children one last time. Now that our children are adults, married and out on their own, as their mom, my goal is still to stay connected to them. I'd like to think I'm a good listener when they're having a problem and that I'm able to offer sound advice if and when they ask for it. We're friends, and as they've grown, so is my love for them. I respect them as adults, and I see them as not only my natural family. Of course, no matter how old they get, they'll always be my kids. But in addition, they're part of my spiritual family. I'm so very thankful that they each now have their own relationship with the Lord, and in that I can encourage them. And as their mom, I'll keep trying to be an example of patience and everything good to give them unconditional love and to age gracefully in their eyes. Yeah, Yeah, she's a good mom. Yeah, you know, and, and to age gracefully in their eyes because, you know, that's part of motherhood is to age gracefully with that love and that compassion and the sheer joy of those children. Jonathan, our vital parenting lesson here. Especially in the most dire circumstances, parents should strive to turn their children over to God's providence. This action takes a special brand of courage and faith and has a special compensating blessing as well. So turning our children over to God, it takes courage and faith. But there's an incredible blessing if we take those steps. And again, help the moms that you know to take that step by encouraging them to be the best mom that they can be. What's next, Julie? And I loved um, three of our moms kind of wrapped up what their advice was, and we had that recorded. So take a listen. Julia, the mom of young children, says, When I think of them as gifts from God, it humbles me and really makes me want to be a better mother and raise them for God. After all, it's a huge responsibility, but with it comes a lot of joy and blessings. Estera, the mom of a teenager, says, Parenting is our earthly responsibility that brings us the closest to understanding our Heavenly Father and His unending love and patience with us, and His role as a father to us. This is the biggest blessing. Cheryl, the mom of adult children, says, I daily try to remind myself of the privilege I have been given to raise children and the awesome responsibility and accountability to the Lord that it brought. So I think this really brings us back full circle because the whole thing that we wanted to bring today was the hierarchy. And this is God, a God-honoring uh, profession, mothering. And we can all take part in it. So, again, whether you're a mom or not, all of these words really do apply to you because 
we all play a role in the raising of the children around us. For those of us who are moms, it is a special privilege. For those of us who are not, it is a special privilege to contribute in whatever way we can to encourage, to give them a shoulder to, to lean on, to give them helping hands, words of wisdom, whatever it takes to put those things in order. Julie, your closing thoughts. Well, my closing thoughts, I'm actually going to borrow from Estera. She said, we are all learning and growing when we let the Lord work in us. It's a process. We all came from different degrees of despair and discontent with this world, and we found peace in Christ, but we can't sit there. We need to keep growing, or otherwise our faith is not alive. Being vulnerable opens you up to judgment from others, but in the same time opens you up to deep connection and healing. There's value of connecting at a deeper level, and that connection can't come without vulnerability. So may we all be that vulnerable and that blessed. And to be vulnerable and to be blessed is not an easy thing. But when we put ourselves in that position, it is a joyful thing. Folks, let's look at the moms that surround our lives and let's let's appreciate and thank them for the incredible work and dedication and sacrifice. And let's share in the joy of raising those children, the utter overwhelming sense of wonderment that kids bring to our lives as we watch them grow into adults. That's what parenting is all about. That's what motherhood is all about. For Jonathan, Rick, and Christian Questions, as well as Julie, Julie, thanks for being with us. Make sure you recognize and appreciate all of the deep values of motherhood. Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions at this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, we're talking about something very different. Does God judge everyone the same way? Talk to you next week.